Greetings everyone and welcome to today's talk. Today's topic, how will the changing world order and globalization affect Jamaica and what can we do about it? How can we prepare for it? That's the question that we want to explore today and where I will share my thoughts. And as always, let me know your thoughts, let me know your questions in the chat, in the comment section. And of course, um, when you're live right now, let me know if you can see and hear me loud and clear, just to make sure that all the tech is working properly. Yeah, let's jump right into it. Um, I think if you are following my content or generally speaking, the news um, and the global developments lately, then um, yeah, you probably know as good as I am that um, we are in a phase of global restructuring, um, yeah, the world as we knew it is changing. And um, I don't think we will go back to a yeah, 2019 or pre-pandemic situation. But I think um, we will also see far more um, yeah, reaching implications. And therefore, um, yeah, that's what I want to talk about today. What I see happening, I will talk about a few um, yeah, developments and of course how that will affect the Caribbean as a whole and more specifically Jamaica and um, yeah, what one can do to prepare for that. So, um, yeah, there are a lot of things happening right now. And um, yeah, again, feel free to check out some of my past talks, um, some of my past content um, where I talk about a lot of that stuff um, for a while now, namely high energy prices. Um, yeah, I think we see that all over the world um, right now, not only since um, yeah, the war in the Ukraine, but that certainly accelerated everything a little bit. Um, we are also, as an effect of that, um, a looming food crisis um, because of the yeah, um, lower supply of fuel, or in that case, um, of natural gas, which is used for fertilizer. Um, that will affect the fertilizer market globally and therefore the food market globally. But not only that, also the exports of grain and food out of Ukraine um, yeah, basically stopped completely, which will affect global food prices, but primarily, of course, um, yeah, markets that are close geographically, meaning the Middle East, Africa, and so on, which are unfortunately um, yeah, some of the poorest nations or poorest peoples in the world that have to suffer from that. Generally speaking, also seeing yeah, supply chain disruptions all over the globe. Um, we see a kind of bullwhip effect in different industries. Um, and uh, therefore, yeah, that adds on top of that. On top of that, um, we see inflation all over the globe now. When I talked about this roughly 12 months ago, it was more localized. Um, but now, basically, no matter at what economy we are looking at, um, we're seeing increasing inflation, higher costs of living for everybody. Again, that primarily affects um, yeah, people that are already um, struggling. And I think 
something that um, a lot of people are underestimating or is not really on the radar of a lot of people is that I personally think um, that we are really seeing a looming crisis in China. Um, I think that yeah, China is pretty much done from a 5, 10, 15 year perspective for different reasons um, for their one child policy, which yeah, will cause a demographic collapse. Um, then the high energy prices are affecting China. Um, the supply chain disruptions, the shipping, uh, which is more expensive than ever, um, basically, yeah, stopped China from being the assembly line of the world, meaning all the cheap products that the whole world um, was enjoying over the last 10, 20, 30 years um, are drying out. And we see a kind of reshoring, meaning a lot of companies pulling out of China and, um, yeah, start to produce products um, in their home country. And of course, all these changes that we are seeing, all these developments, all these restructuring um, will take time, will cause problems and um, yeah, will cause locally very strong disruptions, even if we may be on a global scale. Um, when we look at average, don't see that that much. But yeah, depending on which countries we are looking at, we already see that. For example, look at Sri Lanka. Last week, um, basically, we're seeing a revolution right now. Sri Lanka failed state, um, yeah, because they tried to enforce, or a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is that they tried to enforce um, yeah, more ESG uh, policies, uh, meaning they tried to forbid uh, certain fertilizers, which now um, yeah, cost also high food prices and basically yeah, no more energy in the country. And therefore, yeah, we're seeing a collapse of the state as we knew it before. So a lot of problems, a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of factors that are playing in and it would definitely be too long to jump uh, or to talk about all of them. And feel free to check out my, my past uh, talks about these topics. But nonetheless, let's talk about how that will affect um, Jamaica or the Caribbean and um, how you or how Jamaica should prepare for that. And I think every country has now um, yeah, kind of back to basis approach, uh, back to basics or should have a back to basics approach because a lot of the things that we yeah, expected to be um, sure or safe or um, yeah, just a normal thing on a daily basis um, are not so safe and not so um, yeah, normal anymore. I talked about it or touched about it a second ago. Um, first of all, I think it should be a number one priority for every country to have food security, meaning that you are able to produce your own food to feed your own population and that you're not dependent on external imports. Number two, the same with energy. When you're not able to you know, run or keep the lights on and heat your houses and so on, well, heating is not a really a problem in Jamaica, more the AC, but nonetheless, um, if you can't operate production, if you can't operate cars, um, if you don't have electricity, generally speaking, if you are not energy independent, um, then you are also very vulnerable. Step number three, or priority number three, um, telecommunications. 
um, not only from a strategic perspective or from a long-term strategic perspective, when we think about um, yeah, how Jamaica is going to position itself in a global work marketplace where you just need access to the internet, um, stable communication lines, uh, high-speed broadband internet access, and so on, just for daily, yeah, daily basis communications um, with the you know, rise of cyber threats, cyber attacks, and so on, where we really see sometimes whole countries um, in a tele telecommunications or experiencing a telecommunication blackout, and we'll touch about that a little later. Um, that's also vital because without communications, everything else will break down. And then last but not least, financial services. Um, at the end of the day, if you're not able to yeah, trade with partners um, outside the country, inside the country, if you do not have access to capital, then you're pretty much cut out um, of the global system. We saw that with Russia recently, um, where they defaulted for the first time um, since, I think, 1918 on their um, debt requirements and therefore, um, yeah, basically yeah, defaulted on their debt and got a D rating by Moody's, um, which was not because Russia doesn't have the money. They have the money, but they don't have access to the international banking system and the international financial system due to the sanctions that uh, they are um, suffering from. And therefore, especially for a country like Jamaica, which is very dependent on remittances and uh, again, the import and export of goods and services, you need to make sure that you have a stable financial sector. So let's jump a little bit in and talk about the details. Let's start with food security first. And yeah, I think that's one of the biggest problems. Let me pick it up a little. Um, as you can see here, um, shout out to Peter Zayn from Peter Zayn on geopolitics. Um, you know, I would always recommend to read his books. Very great uh, material there. But as you can see here, um, yeah, a global map on the food insecurity or food security um, of different countries. Color marked here. Um, yeah, everything that is green means they can supply themselves and maybe even export everything that is yellow, orange, and red um, yeah, is at risk that they, under certain circumstances, are not able to feed themselves or are importing most of their calories from other countries. And as you can see here, um, we're basically talking um, when we talk, or the countries at risk are usually the ones closer to the equator, meaning where it's hotter. We're talking about the Middle East, talking about Africa, talking about China and parts of yeah, Latin America and the Caribbean. And in that case, especially um, yeah, Jamaica, which imports 75% or more than 75% um, of its food consumption or its calories, meaning yeah, only 25% um, of the calories is produced in the country itself, meaning it's extremely dependent on external imports. And um, again, when we now factor in that we probably see fertilizer shortage um, or rising fertilizer, fertilizer prices um, or rising food prices in general, that problem or that risk is only going to increase. 
that hasn't been the case um, all the time when we look at uh, Jamaica, especially in the in the 90s and in the early 2000s. We had a period where um, yeah, the food imports um, yeah, were relatively low, just yeah, around 15%. But over the last, I would say, decade, maybe 20 years, um, we see a sharp increase of um, overall food imports, meaning more than you know, 20% of the merchandise of the goods that um, Jamaica is importing is actually food. And therefore, yeah, they are very dependent on external food imports. One thing that if I would make the decisions um, would change or would attempt to change as quick as possible. When we then look at where that is coming from, um, we see a big partner um, are the United States, then Trinidad, Netherlands and Mexico, um, which makes it a little less uh, dangerous uh, from my perspective, because um, when we go back, we can see that the US is relatively stable when it comes to food production, especially the middle, uh, the Midwest. Um, yes. Yeah, one of the biggest food producers um, in the world. And therefore, um, that probably will not stop uh, anytime soon. But nonetheless, um, from a strategic perspective, um, again, not the smartest move to have 75% or more of your calories um, coming from outside the country. Food, secure should, food security should be a number one priority for every country in the world, at least, in my opinion. Priority number two, energy security. Um, again, anything that you want to produce, that you want to carry around, um, electricity and so on, uh, depends on the fact that you actually have energy in what way or form um, we will talk about in a second. But um, again, yeah, we will see that Jamaica is very dependent on one um, energy source, and that is oil can see here the development so since the 90s um yeah over 80 percent um, of jamaica's overall or total energy supply um comes from oil and as we know uh, jamaica doesn't have any own oil reserves um, that it can access or that would cover um, the need and therefore um yeah we see over the last five years, a little increase in natural gas. We see some biofuels and waste, meaning yeah, where they just burn um, biofuels and other ways to generate energy and very little that comes from hydro generators. And again, um, when we factor in that oil prices are increasing all over the globe right now, with oil is just a global commodity and therefore global price, um, that will trickle down into every other sector of Jamaica. Um, yeah, electricity prices will increase, um, production will increase, gas prices will increase or are already increasing. And um, yeah, just because of the strategic or structural situation here, um, there's little um, that Jamaica actually can do. Um, yeah. Jamaica um, historically really changed their import or their oil imports um, over time. Um, right now, they import most from Brazil and Colombia, and then a big, well, then the rest um, from the United States and Barbados. So, um, 
what what I do if you would ask me um, to kind of get more independence or more security on the energy side here, um, I would probably do two things. I would think about, um, yeah, can you put a nuclear power plant into Jamaica? That would be probably uh, yeah, good baseline supply for electricity and then try to switch um, or to increase step by step um, yeah, the renewables. In that case, wind and solar, which is very, or where Jamaica is very suitable because you have a lot of sunshine and you have a lot of wind because you are an island. So therefore, um, yeah, I think that could be a good combination. Of course, you need to make sure, especially when we talk about a nuclear power plant, um, on the one hand, you need to get it financed. Uh, and on the other hand, you need to make sure that actually all the safety measures are in place. Fortunately, Jamaica doesn't suffer so much from earthquakes or tsunamis and uh, yeah, things of that nature, meaning natural disasters or natural catastrophes than other countries in the Caribbean. Nonetheless, there's still some risk there. So of course, that would have to be assessed in detail before you would do that. But um, that's just from an engineering perspective or from a technical perspective, the only things that you actually can do to reduce your dependency on oil, meaning nuclear power, nuclear energy, and renewable energies. I wouldn't recommend to switch to coal. That's something Germany did, and that was probably one of the dumbest decisions our politicians made over the last decades. And now we have to pay the price for it. All right, priority number one, step number three, uh, not number one, number three. Uh, step number three, telecommunications. Um, why am I talking about that? Because I think we underestimate how dependent um, our whole society or we all are on um, telecommunication system, mainly the internet and uh, phone lines. So when we look um, yeah, a little bit from a 30,000 foot view on Jamaica, just uh, when we look at the access to the internet um, over the last 30 years from 1992, Till today or 2019 here, we see that even till today, only 55% of our residents actually have access to the internet. And then only 13% actually have access to a fast internet connection, a broadband, broadband internet access, which is in that statistic you define as uh, yeah, faster than ISDN, meaning more than 250 six kilobit per second, which is yeah, still very slow um, and wouldn't even enable you for video conferencing and things of that nature. But let's assume we're talking about a high-speed internet connection here. And um, yeah, if you live in Jamaica, you know how stable these are. So I think there's lots of work um, that has to be done to really make sure that yeah, we have island-wide coverage and every Jamaican has the ability or has access to the internet, not only the internet, but actually stable high-speed internet so that you actually can access all the tools and services that the internet um, yeah, enables you not, or yeah, not lastly, um, to get access to a global, um, so that you get access to a global uh, workplace because yeah, more and more jobs are online available, can be uh, done remotely, but if you don't have access to the internet, then you don't have access to this, these jobs 
or these income sources. Um, and I want to give you an example that um, I think happened last week um, in Canada, um, just to show you how dependent we are on um, yeah, the grid, um, on telecommunications, and um, how problematic it can be um, if you don't have enough um, competition in a market. Because um, yeah, in Canada, um, one of the biggest um, providers is uh, Rogers there, and they faced um, yeah, an hour-long or almost a day-long um, outage. You can see here some headlines from Reuters and uh, Al Jazeera. And um, yeah, just want to quote some of the statements here. Um, yeah, July 12th, Rogers Communications will be credited customers with the equivalent of five days service. Said on Tuesday, and now it's the important part, after the Canadian telecom operator suffered a major outage that paralyzed the country's banking and emergency services last week. What does that mean? Yeah, banking, all of the banks, they use the infrastructure, meaning the tele telecommunication infrastructure. And if that breaks down, the financial system breaks down. And if you if your phone doesn't work, um, you also cannot access any emergency services. You cannot call the police, you cannot call uh, you know, emergency ambulance, you cannot call firefighters or whatever is going to happen. You just with yeah, one second to another, you're back into the stone ages. And uh, when you look at a country like Canada, where you have very big distances and people are remote, you really rely on that form of communication. And then from Al Jazeera, Canadian telecom giant Rogers Communications is under pressure to answer for a network outage that left millions of people across Canada without mobile phone and internet access for several hours in an incident that also has drawn attention to a lack of competition in the industry. Of course, when you only have a few handful of players um, which cover or when then each player covers 25% or maybe even more of the total market. If one player goes down, if one network goes down, then that affects a big part of the population. And because everything is so intertwined and you lose a few nodes, then that affects the whole society, the whole economy. And again, um, from one second to another, you cannot access your bank account. Um, you cannot call every, anybody, you cannot call emergency services and so on. So again, vital for every country to make sure that you actually have a stable um, telecommunication network. And then last but not least, um, financial services. Um, I talked about that a lot in the past. I think it's um, yeah, crucial for every country to actually enable their citizens to get access to the financial markets, to have proper banking services, to have proper financial services, um, because if you don't have that, that just yeah, cripples the whole economy. And um, yeah, you're basically yeah, trying to drive a car uh, while you're hitting the brakes all the time. And um, especially a country like Jamaica, where yeah, remittances, meaning money from outside the country, flowing inside the country, um, makes a big part of um, yeah, really the, the daily living or the daily surviving um, of its citizens. Um, and when you then often pay high fees just to get the money into the country, on the one hand, that is a big problem, um, especially when we talk about the current situation, again, with 
rising prices with rising uh, uh, yeah, increasing cost of living, higher inflation, and so on, um, that will become a more and more important part that yeah, citizens actually have access to money and maybe yeah, relatives or whatever from overseas send money back home. And um, not only that, but when you look at the economy, um, if your economy doesn't really have access to financial markets, to capital markets, you're always in that closed system because i mentioned that in the past a lot of times um yeah me as someone from the european union as a german i don't really have access even if i want to invest money in jamaica it's very hard to yeah, get money into the country or to invest there or to buy stocks there invest in companies and so on and vice versa for someone living in jamaica you basically only can buy assets um, in jamaica you can only invest in jamaica you cannot buy an apple share or stocks that are traded um, yeah, overseas, you are very having a very hard time to actually diversify your portfolio and your assets on a global scale. You are very limited to your home country. And of course, if that again breaks down, then you have a big problem. Again, we have also the problem here with competition. I would always encourage um, every country to have a yeah, big competition, no matter the sector. And um, yeah, especially in the Caribbean or especially in Jamaica, we have very little competition when we talk about the financial markets, although it contributes a big part to the GDP, but very, well, let me rephrase that. It's really hard to get reliable data um, regarding financial um, data or banking data um, in, the, in, in Jamaica. Um, therefore, it's really hard to figure out um, how many people are actually having a bank account um, meaning that are banked and how many people are unbanked and don't have access to a bank account on the one hand. And on the other hand, um, we see that a big part of the GDP comes from financial services, which are most often tailored to yeah, bigger companies or to overseas companies. So therefore, I think um, yeah, the Jamaica, Jamaican financial industry just have to ask themselves um, or maybe to redefine their purpose and ask themselves what is our actual purpose do we want to serve overseas interests or do we want to serve our own people all right that being said thanks for watching thanks for joining me today i hope you have a great day and a great week if you have any thoughts any questions, um, anything that you want to add, feel free to use the comment section. I will try to answer it. If you stayed with me for that long, feel free to hit the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel um, if we aren't connected on LinkedIn yet. Um, yeah, I would encourage you to do so. And I hope to see you next time. Have a great one. Bye-bye.